everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things Black History and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 49 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and I am as always your host today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the History Hotline. If it's your first time here, then welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode and go back and listen to all the other 48 episodes that I've recorded And if it's not your first time here and you've been here before, you've been rolling since day one, then thank you so much for coming back. I hope this is another informative episode. You learn a lot and please do like, share uh, and tell a friend to tell a friend about the History Hotline. So I had a plan for today's episode. We're going to be talking about the importance of figures in black British history, figures being, you know, important people. Um, But I've had a slight change of plan due to some unforeseen circumstances. But, you know, never fear, because there are a lot of things I think are kind of coming up in conversation about black history, black British history, that I kind of want to talk about. So I'm going to take this opportunity to do that. I'm going to be focusing still on on figures. Um, And if you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen that was on schedule for today, um, this episode in my kind of Black History Month plan of episodes. Um, And I do kind of want to stick to that because kind of followed a theme that I had in my mind, which might not make sense to you guys listening, but definitely made sense to me when I created it. And within the episode about figures of black British history, um, there were some kind of announcements and I don't want to make them uh, prematurely. So hopefully, you know, those announcements will be made soon. And they are quite exciting, I personally think. Hope you will too. But I do still want to think about figures, as I have mentioned. And I want to think about this kind of debate I have in my mind a lot about celebrating individual people um, over kind of movements or events or kind of collective activism when it comes to black British history. And it's a conflict in my mind because I think whilst individuals are very important because on a personal level for most, you know, it's inspirational to kind of follow someone's story and to see how you could be like that person or do what they did or be inspired by their life but then on the other side I think putting so much focus on people falls into this kind of trap of history from the past where we focus on the quote-unquote great individuals and kind of disregard the fact that no great individual is able to do what they do without a following of people or other people that have kind of influenced and supported them or kind of specific moments or you know a little bit of luck a little bit of you know sprinkle from the universe or place them in the right place at the right time or God or, you know, whatever the case might be. And so I think there's a conflict going on in my mind and I'm going to essentially offload that conflict onto you. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what you think in terms of kind of celebrating these figures, these big like names in black British history, which I think has been problematic in the past, especially when we think about America and looking at people like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. And of course they deserve to be on a pedestal. They did exceptional things. But if that's the only history we think about, um, when we think about, you know, these people, is that problematic? Are we then erasing the quote-unquote faceless, smaller people within society? And this is something I briefly went over in the first episode of this Black History Month, which was um, about statues. Um, So, you know, if you haven't listened to that, it might make sense to go there first and then come back here. But if you have, then, you know, let's keep going. So, you know, as always in Black History Month, um, I'm in a position where people ask me to do talks. 
about black history in a variety of different contexts. Um, and this month I was able to do a talk actually with Lawrence Wishart Publishers and the Black Cultural Archives. And it was about uh, radical black women and also like, you know, why black history is important, why it matters and kind of thinking about the absence of black women within narratives on black British history. Um, and we focused on uh, Claudia Jones, who was an activist of Trinidadian descent um, by way of America. She was deported, um, ended up in the UK um, and is partly responsible for the creation of carnival in this country um and you know there's an episode that's briefly touched on her life before but we're going to go into her life in a little bit more depth um and really cool um was the fact that we got to i was moderating the panel and on the panel was a lady called marika sherwood who actually wrote um a book about claudia jones's life she did oral history interviews um and looked at and spoke to the people that were around Claudia Jones at the time Claudia Jones didn't like have any family in the UK with her she was an only child I believe and didn't have any children herself um and wasn't married so it was really hard to research someone like her especially when um the government literally have files on her and will not release them and have not released them um and that's on several women um in black British kind of history and that navigated different circles in society at the time there are a lot and I really want to stress this, there are a lot of files that are held by surveillance groups that was literally, you know, appointed by the police, by the government, MI5, to watch these people, black people, because of what they might do or uprisings they might start. Um, and these files have not been released to the public, even though there's normally like an amount of time, like some files are like 50 years and then they can be released and put into kind of the archives. But these files have just ceased to exist, essentially, shall we say. Um, and that's kind of slowed, I'd say, the history of, and the ability for researchers and historians to write these histories of these people. So when we think about, you know, the erasure of black women, let's say, um, as and obviously they are important figures in history. It's not just about men, which obviously is a given. Uh, when we think about the erasure of them, we have to think about why that actually is. Is it because there's no interest in researching women or is it because it's actually physically a little bit more difficult, you know, if these papers and archival documents don't exist um, or have been destroyed or erased? So, you know, there was a lot of food for thought in that talk and I would definitely suggest you go and watch it. It's on YouTube on the Black Cultural Archives page. It was a wonderful talk. I believe it was about an hour and a half, um, if that, um, between hour and 15 and hour and a half and... I don't want to say things that have already been said in there in case you do go and listen. Um, but what I am going to tell you about is Claudia Jones. And then we're going to full circle back to this debate that I'm having in my mind about whether we should be focusing on individuals or if that's problematic when we're thinking about history. OK, so Claudia Jones was born in 1915 in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and then she migrates to America, actually. Uh, uh, as a child, so around the age of nine, I believe. And as she grows up in America, she kind of falls in line with communist political activity um, because they, at the time in America, were kind of the only group, like, really helping black people um, in terms of, like, racial liberation um, and equality. And this is very different to in England because in England the Communist Party were not about racial equality um, and the politics didn't lend themselves to equality in that sense. So it's quite interesting that in America, fighting for racial equality, she kind of finds herself in the Communist Party. But she is actually deported for communist activity. She's um, imprisoned first. She's really, really sick. Um, she has quite a, a track record of, of being 
quite unfortunate with her health. Um, she's sick for the majority of her life and dies quite young uh, in the grand scheme of things uh, when you think about kind of, um, you know, the average kind of living age for a woman of that time. Um, and unfortunately, she, you know, has to live with this sickness. But one of the remarkable things about her is she still manages to achieve what she does, even being so sick. Um, so, yeah, she lives in America, works with the Communist Party, um, is eventually deported. Um, she's meant to go to Trinidad. Trinidad say, nope, too much of a troublemaker. We don't want her. Um, and she's deported to the UK in 1955. So when she arrives, um, she kind of, you know, joins the Communist Party. Um, and, yep, she's a member there, but the work and the kind of activism they do isn't necessarily for racial equality. Um, and so she ends up actually finding um, and starting the first major black newspaper in Britain, the West Indian Gazette, three years later in 58. And as we've mentioned in the Carnival episode, she is kind of a central role and figure in find, finding Nottingham Hill Carnival and starting that. Um, and also kind of, you know, activism surrounding racial equality, racial justice um, and that kind of thing uh, in the UK. And, you know, she works within circles of um, other communist activists, Billy Strachan being one of them, uh, Winston Pinder, Trevor Carter, um, and they all engage in this kind of political community in the UK. But as a black woman, as well as, you know, being black as well as a woman in communist circles, um, she didn't really find them to be very helpful. And I feel like I've stressed that point a lot. But I think it's interesting to think about the... Uh, organizations that these individuals that we celebrate find themselves in um, and how they navigate that and as we think about this history do we put Claudia Jones into the context of communist history or do we pick her out and put her on a pedestal on her own Um, just an example of kind of one of the problems with looking at history just solely through the stories of individuals and the great things that they achieved. Now, not to be that guy, but if you want to know more about Claudia Jones, I would say to pick up the book by Marika Sherwood that Lawrence Wishart have just republished. You'd think they'd be paying me for this. They're not, but, um, you know, I think it's a really great book. And having read um, sections of it, I noticed that uh, Marika Sherwood kind of speaks about her methodology of how she kind of got this information on Claudia Jones. She wrote the book after Claudia Jones had passed away. Um, and as I mentioned, she didn't have children, um, a spouse or um, any kind of a family in the UK because she was deported on her own. Um, and so I found it quite interesting that she, this is Marika, by the way, she interviewed people that did know her and were kind of you know, activists alongside of her friends, colleagues, co-workers um, across her different kind of spaces, such as the West Indian Gazette or, um, you know, in the Communist Party or other projects she'd worked on. Um, And she conducted oral history interviews of each of these people. And this kind of discipline methodology of oral history is very important to me. I think it's very significant and important to gather history in this way. I think you can get such rich and authentic stories from people, especially if they were there. Obviously, they come with a bias, but, you know, no more or less bias in the archives, um, as long as you can kind of figure out what that bias is and adjust accordingly then very useful I think oral histories okay so back to the kind of dilemma um, I'm having in my mind in the conversation regarding honoring individuals and how we remember history 
um, thinking about last week's episode um, and this idea of like history of great men um, and putting like, you know, great men who tended to be white, tended to be rich on pedestals um, and telling history only through their stories. This is not the same thing, um, obviously, because black people um, have been marginalised by society for so long, women especially, um, black women, you know, even more so. Um, So it's not really kind of fitting into that narrative of this like great man argument where we're only looking at those who had access to be able to record their own histories and to put themselves on a pedestal essentially and make sure history remembered them in the way they wanted to be. So this isn't the case with this and that's not what I'm trying to say but do we for example when looking at Claudia Jones do we miss out on say understanding the frameworks of communist activism in America that helped liberate black people at the time or do we miss out the political climate in which Notting Hill Carnival or St Pancras Town Hall Carnival was brought to Britain for the first time in the 50s Um, or do we miss out understanding uh, let's say the repression of communist movements in America that led to a black woman from Trinidad being deported out of America um, in the 1950s 1950 to be precise. I think it can definitely be the case that that happens uh, when we only think about individuals and I think it's important and I always say this not just to look at individuals when we're thinking about history. Yes they can be very inspirational uh, where we think about you know their personal lives and stories and their triumphs and tribulations but does it actually help us get a good understanding of history and help us pinpoint what was going on at any one time and the kind of global climate, or the not even global climate, but the local climate or the political climate or the social climate at the time? And then also, does this actually matter? You know, does it matter for some people to have a broad understanding of society at the time or what was happening politically? Or is history for some people thinking and looking at inspiring people to shape and, you know, have a positive influence on their lives. And so maybe we are thinking and opening up a question of not only, you know, do we need to think about individuals, is that problematic? Or what is the purpose of history, you know, for the individual that's not, you know, a historian or working in the field? Like, what is the point of history for you? You know, if you're listening to this podcast and your life doesn't revolve around history, you know, why do you listen? Is it to be inspired by black leaders or people that are shared and spoken about? Is it to learn about Britain's past in terms of race? Is it to, you know, be more aware? Is it because you just find it interesting and cool? You know, what is the purpose of history for for the individual? Now, when we think about it on a curriculum and a school level, you know, everything in school is to quote-unquote educate educate in what way um to educate through inspiration or to educate you know by actually sharing and creating knowledge so there are many questions and I don't think they can all be answered by me because they're kind of dependent on people's personal opinions and you know what they actually think about history and its importance and value in society Now, I started this podcast by saying that I had an announcement that I wasn't going to announce today. But then also remember that I have another announcement, so I will announce that announcement today. So many announcements. But essentially, um, I used to work in a school, um, in an education setting, before that I was doing my master's. But now I work in a museum. 
um, doing some curating. I'm not a curator, so I'm not like qualified as a curator, but I've been curating an exhibition. Um, and I thought I'd share that with you uh, for any UK-based or London-based listeners um, that might want to come along. Now, it's quite interesting because this exhibition is centred around individuals, whilst I've just made a whole episode of a podcast about how we can't just think about individuals. But I'm happy to report that it's contextualised within a history of migration into Britain, um, post-war migration, that is from kind of 1948, or well, 47 actually, um, I think about the Ormond and the Almanzora, the two ships that came before the Windrush from the Caribbean. Um, and then we run a migration all the way through the, to the 1990s, thinking about the different groups of people that migrated, uh, to this country and why, and then some of the immigration acts that impacted, stopped or allowed that movement. And I'm looking at this in the context of the Methodist Church, um, who the exhibition is for at the Museum of Methodism, Wesley Chapel. And it will be starting this week. It opens on the 19th of October and it showcases leaders uh, within the Methodist Church that wouldn't normally be celebrated because they are black, because they are Asian, um, because their stories haven't been picked up or seen as important in the past. But, you know, thinking about decolonising spaces like museums and exhibitions, um, the Methodist Church wanted to put on an exhibition that celebrated the diversity within the church, especially, you know, as a history of Methodism. Um, I'm not sure if there are any Methodists listening or people that know the Methodist Church, but it's rooted in social justice. It was one of the only churches that opposed slavery. Um, not a big fan of kind of the whole concept of like white saviors and, you know, praising abolitionists too far because, um, you know, it does erase the story and narrative of those who, you know, started, led and succeeded in their slave revolts um, across the Caribbean, uh, where we think about British slavery anyway. Um, and so, yeah, Methodism rooted in social justice. And so it's very fitting that the church is trying to continue in that way. Um, and so they are celebrating um, leaders within the Methodist church. Leader being quite a loose term in some ways, um, because it doesn't just refer to people that are in charge or a boss, but, you know, people that have led the way or spearheaded campaigns or been part of activism um and you know kind of lived out the mission of the church um in regards to their kind of daily life and so yeah I've been working on this exhibition it does open on the 19th I think it's run until yeah the end of January it's not like just a black history thing because we don't do that here um and the next episode of this podcast will be called 10 things I hate about black history month because um you know, I love Black History Month, like I'm being quite facetious in that title, but there are so many problems with it. And I spoke about it last Black History Month on the episode that I did. But I think I want to take it to a perspective of actually, you know, the people that are actually doing the work um, when it comes to Black History Month and the impact of that and also how we remember history again. And then when we get back to November, we'll get back to kind of regular scheduling in terms of like, more history-based content as opposed to me talking about the discipline of history more loosely. Um, so I hope you have maybe enjoyed the kind of newer format. Um, I haven't decided if this is something I'll keep. I think for November I'll definitely go back to like the historical stories more so. But I do sometimes like just 
laying down my thoughts about the way we think about history and the things that we we do when we remember people or events um so yeah you know it's a podcast it's not that serious it's nice to try new things um and you know I always value your feedback so please you know if there's something you like you really hate or you just want to say feel free to do that um as long as you're polite I don't mind (laughs) um but I do want to say thank you for listening uh maybe I'll see some of you at the exhibition not that I'm you know gonna be there I'm not a tour guide unfortunately but um yeah it is something I've been working on for the last like two and a half months so um I'm hoping it will be well received and enjoyable for all so yes thank you all for listening to this week's episode and I can't wait to be back speaking to you all next week have a wonderful week goodbye thank you for listening to the history hotline if you've enjoyed this episode please tell a friend to tell a friend to continue the conversation about black history head over to our social media platforms at the history hotline on instagram and at the history hl on twitter